Namaste. So we continue with the writings of Sri the synthesis of yoga. And we are with the yoga of integral knowledge. So in the traditional yoga of knowledge, the seeker strives to arrive at the highest self, the one self that is behind, above, everywhere. And he does it by a progressive withdrawal from life, either by the process of niti niti or by trying to find the divine everywhere through that this too is Brahman, this too is Brahman. So either of the ways he has to draw himself away from the surfaces of the phenomenal existence in which the mind is ordinarily caught. In the integral yoga, the self, the highest self is that which includes and combines within itself all the aspects and statuses and modes of the divine. Because the divine is one but he is infinite and he manifests himself on all the planes in different degrees of his own self-manifestation. He is at once Nirgun and Sagun. He is at once the Shar Purush and the Akshar Purush and the being, the Supreme Being, the Purushottama, the Absolute. So all these different aspects of the divine, they are self-revealed in the supramental state. But less than that, normally, ordinarily, the yoga of knowledge, traditional yoga of knowledge is satisfied with reaching one or the other aspects of uh, the one supreme, one divine. So, but uh, unless we combine all the different aspects, not synthetically, organically, but as one, and we have taken this example, and we can take this example again, that we may separate ourselves into buddhi, we can separate ourselves into the emotional being, physical being, psychical being, um, the physical body itself, and to each one we may give a particular name that this too is me. But is this the only me? So in typical traditional yoga of knowledge we say no, these are ways and means of my expression but I am someone else. So it discovers that. This is one way. But in all of these we are equally entitled to say that this too is me. And there are different ways through which the I or the self, not I, the egoistic I, is expressing itself. So, in Shurabindu's yoga, the supramental is that where all the different diverse aspects of the creator are fused into a single harmony. And that's why the word used is divine perfection. Perfection here is that all the different qualities, anantagon, the ways of being, modes of self, they are all united into a single spontaneous being. Like by that, as I said, when we refer to ourselves, we are referring spontaneously to the integral whole because reality is integral. So, Shubhindu uses the word integral knowledge. Now, comes these uh, three last chapters which are very interesting and significant. Uh, traditionally, we keep hearing the word Samadhi and there is so much importance given to Samadhi that very often, I mean, of course, semi-humorously, but long time back when I was uh, with a group of people and they had their own system of meditation and I also was meditating in my own way. I didn't follow any of those, those systems because I was still looking for what really would work uh, for my aspiration. Because I always feel 
the path opens according to your aspiration. It's not that you find somebody and learn a technique and start proceeding. It's almost like saying that there is a very nice Vande Bharat Express. They, they are very nice, of course. But just because it is nice and I take a ticket and sit into it, somebody will say, but where do you want to go? So where, where I want to go is the path that I must traverse. Till then it's all uh, experimenting. You may sit in this train, it may take you to a station which you never wanted to go, so, so on and so forth. So, um, well, there is this so much talk in traditional scriptures about samadhi. So during that uh, meditative session, when I uh, came out, I was, uh, uh, you know, that pao suno jata, your, your body, your consciousness withdrawn from the body. Now we understand all that, but that time, so you can't easily get up because you're feet start doing janjan why because the nervous currents have to flow back into the nerves so somebody remarked are inki to samadhi lag gayi koi samadhi nahi this not samadhi <laughs> this not called samadhi it's this term is used very loosely so what really samadhi means samadhi literally means an absorption into the highest self basically that is samadhi and there are several degrees and stages of this absorption in the highest, it is impossible to return back. If the soul can stay in that highest status, it is said, some according to some 21 days, according to others 42 days, then you cannot draw it back. It is just impossible because the cord, that subtle cord which links the physical to the highest, that is no more operating. You just can't come back. So you are gone in that state. Uh, but it's very difficult to discern because... Uh, even before that, your breath may stop, heartbeat may stop, but you continue to live because uh, uh, there are subtle naris, subtle, um, you know, we'll explore this very interesting subject through which the life current can continue to flow. Uh, even the heartbeat can become very subtle. It's uh, not palpable. You can't check the pulse. ECG will not show anything. And yet, there's a very subtle heart behind the heart, behind the heart, if I may put it, which is continuing to operate. And the yogin can live in that state. Uh, but when he withdraws even from that, it becomes impossible to bring him back. But before that, as I said, there are degrees and stages. The first stage is withdrawal from the physical material existence, to which we are accustomed. But this withdrawal is not simply like in sleep. In sleep also we withdraw. And we enter a world of dream. But what happens in the sleep withdrawal? Still the physical mind is building images, throwing up images from whatever it is experienced. So even though we have shut our eyes, like many people when they apparently meditate, they shut the eyes. But shutting the eyes means their inner mobile and the inner laptop becomes active. And in that active state, the mind generates images. That's what dream is about. But in the Upanishads, the word dream self is not used in the sense that we use the word dream. The only thing that comes close to modern psychology here is that modern psychology admits that we live on the small surface and there is a vast subliminal subconscious and though modern psychology doesn't admit, Indian psychology admits and a superconscious self. So we are living only in a fraction of the surface and, and the first stage is to withdraw into the inner state. Now the difference in dream and the sopnavastha um, of the samadhi. So we have the jagratavastha, the waking consciousness where the physical mind uh, draws data from the senses 
and it is constantly acting and reacting based on that. This is the ordinary normal life bound completely by the physical mind. Then the next step is when we withdraw into the dream state. Now the difference is ordinarily in dream, nothing is in our control. Dreams come and go. But in the dream state of the samadhi, swapnavastha, you are conscious the mind is completely functional and operative. So the mind observes, discerns, judges, can act, control, master all the movement through which it is going. Whereas in ordinary dream, it is a falling into a subconscious. Uh, so many things come, including the impressions of the soul going toward the divine. They also come, impact, and the impressions of the vital world, impression of the physical, they create a uh, jumble like tambola and you know, there is a random combination and we call it dream. But uh, in, in the Swapnavastha, the mind is fully in position. It's a conscious process. So the, uh, as it begins to withdraw consciously, then it enters what is called as the Swapnavastha, the dream state of the Upanishads. So in the dream state, there are several layers of the worlds, but just to put it very roughly, the physical world is the waking state and the dream world is largely the vital and the mental world. So all the vital world, its vrittis, the experiences, the deeper subliminal vital, its ranges of consciousness, and the mental world where again we see many uh, layers and aspects uh, of the mental world which climbs from summit to summit. All these begin to become slowly conquered by the seeker. They begin to become one by one evident. We begin to understand them through different symbolic realms and symbolic experiences. They have a different language altogether. And then after this um, uh, world which is a dream world, one enters into the state of susupti. So, susupti is where the mental cognition also is stilled. So, can't bring back anything. In the dream state, the mental cognition is active. I am speaking of the dream state in the yogic parlance, not dream as we dream. So, there is a difference between the two. So, then in the state of susupti, the mind falls asleep now. Why? Because we have entered into a deeper realm. So, since the mind is not able to it's like the machine is not built for, uh, you know, receiving and transmitting the impression. Imagine, you know, if if the keyboard is not geared to, let's say, a simple thing like Devanagari's script. So, what do you do? You try to type, it will bring all kinds of puzzles, but it will not be the thing which one is receiving. So, mind is calmed and one is uh, still rather and one enters into susupti. So it's called susupti again, deep sleep. But here again, the susupti means that we have entered into a domain, domain which is where the mind does not register anything. And then from that state of susupti, it enters into turiya. Turiya literally is absolute. So it's uh, you can't it it includes all of this and none of this, and you can't define it. It's the parabrahman of the uh, ancient seers. So these are the four. Chatushpad Brahman. It's the Brahman which is expressing himself in all these layers and levels. In the physical, it is the gross senses. In the subtle dream world, it is the subtle senses through which we begin to become aware. And in the Susupti, we don't have corresponding senses because the bodies of the supramental and the, 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 the that is the supra, the causal body, the Vigyanme quotient, the bliss self. Now these bodies are not organized within us. So there is nothing in us which registers the impact. But 
Here comes, Shurabindra says, but it is possible that it need not be so. So in this yoga, it is perfectly possible in the dream state to start with, to be simultaneously conscious of the physical world. So if you are snoring, you are aware you are snoring and its impact on the people around. If you are dreaming, you are simultaneously, not now the dream, but experiencing, you are simultaneously aware of its impact of things which are outside. How do we become aware? We become aware through the subtle senses because the physical senses are withdrawn. And these subtle senses, very interestingly, they are far more clearer and far more capable of reporting the hidden truth behind just the physical. So we'll, we'll see the physical things, but uh, more in the subtle physical. Um, it's, I'll give a small little example. I don't know this, probably as we develop yogically, we become sensitive. Uh, you, you sit in some place where somebody has sat for a short while. And now, with the subtle senses, you will begin to become aware of that. Because the subtle envelope is still there. Uh, that's why, you know, staying in hotels, they hopefully change the bed sheet. But the atmosphere is still the same. So, you begin to become conscious of the atmospheres. But now, this is one degree. But as we become aware more and more inside, through the subtle senses, we become active. Now, these subtle senses have to further be taken away and turned toward the higher object. And that is done either by focusing on one aspect of the subtle reality, sound for example. So you have the Nad Yoga or light for instance through various display of colors and light. These two are the main senses used because touch and smell and taste are relatively subordinate. But one can, taste can ultimately be transmuted and one can taste Amrit. That's, that's the original meaning of Amrit Chakna which has been completely reduced to a farce of simply going to a Gurudwara and tasting something or doing Khichdi Mudra and tasting the Amrit. Amrit becomes a natural taste. It, it flows into the system because the senses are begin to become aware of these subtle senses. Or for instance, the touch. Have we not felt sometimes in a state of meditation as if the mother has touched me? <laughs> now, this is not, not just uh, imagination. This is a reality of another domain. Sometimes through smell, these inner senses become active. You can almost know people through smell. You can know their state of health or illness through the smell. So, this is a whole subtle world which begins to become active in the state of dream worlds. But even these sees and the mind's cognition in that susupti. But problem is from the susupti again there is no link. So, one is unable to bring back or report. So, here again Shobindu says it need not be so. Of course, they are, they, are, they are building the bridge. One of the work of the mother was to build all the bridges because they are gaps of consciousness. And at one time, in, while in uh, Algeria, she was building the bridge between the most material vital and the material layer. She took one year to build that bridge. All the bridges must be built. That's why the mother could tell once, she, she remarked to Champaklalji, is there in Champakla speaking, you know, I'm aware of everything in my, because she would very often withdraw and sometimes it would be one hour and people are just waiting. Even there could be a darshan queue and it has to wait. And then she would say, I am aware of your thoughts, sensations, even of the physical watch, the ticking of the watch while in the super mind. 
So they being in the body, experiencing it in the right up to that point was one of their work because they organized the supramental sheath for us without which we cannot have a supramental creation. So they built this supramental sheath for themselves which is the supramental ship where all this work is going on the divine dockyard. <laughs> so and the bliss sheath which is uh, they didn't conform but that's the first step after which the bliss self. And in bliss self, one can be drawn into infinite ecstasies of the infinite ananda. That's how Shubhinda puts it. But ordinarily, one doesn't uh, register all this. But Shubhinda wants the entire bridge to be built. Then only divine life is possible. And Shubhinda to that extent that with his open eyes, he could completely be in that highest bliss self and continue to manifest it, not just experience it in trance. So, this is the value of Samadhi. Um, the highest ranges, so in, in uh, traditional yogas, like for instance in the yoga bhakti, one enters into Samadhi, which is called as a bhav Samadhi, which, which one will find in the life of Ananda Mahima. She would often in that, so what happens is that your body becomes still completely and you are absorbed in the ecstasy, love, adoration of the divine. So this is one kind of Samadhi. Then there is Samadhi which comes to the Jnan Yogi where he enters into Jyotir Brahma, that, that luminous source of everything and the mind is absorbed and stilled. What else it will do when it is face to face with that tremendous effulgence? And then there are different ways of arriving at this Samadhi. In the yoga works, while in the waking state, one can be in that state of Jivan Mukti. That's what the Gita says. Why? Because the mind, the thought, will are all absorbed in the divine. Man mana bhav mad bhakta madhya jima namaskuru. That's how it says that when all your actions are directed towards me, when all your mind is full of me, when the heart is full of me, when the will's only purpose is to serve me, then what happens? You are in contact with me, with a capital M. <laughs> The supreme. So there are different ways of arriving at it, not just through the traditional yoga of knowledge. And yet, normally we associate samadhi with this and with Raj Yoga. We'll come to that. And that is because if you have to really arrive at the highest self from where you don't want to return, then this is the only way of complete self-absorption. So you have the Savikalp Samadhi where still the mind is little bit active. Where, uh, from where return is easy. And you have the Nirvikalp Samadhi, where it enters into that state of Susupti. So when you are standing on the borders, that's when Savikalp and Nirvikalp. And in Nirvikalp Samadhi, it's possible to actually cut the body and it won't know. Unless you do it very, very violently. So that's where it may come back. You know, there's the story of our, uh, what was his name? Uh, Chandulal. He was the engineer, no, working in Matrimandi. He used to go out of the body and enter into these trance states. And mother had told him not to do this. So once he entered and wandered into, he used to wander into these dream worlds very consciously. He used to enjoy it. Amalkiran had this capacity and Amalkiran could actually watch what is happening to the body. Sri Ramakrishna, he underwent the surgery without, or Raman Maharishi, without any anesthesia. So these are real things which material science doesn't know because it's focused only on the gross body as experienced by the physical mind. So Mother had told him not to enter into these states. Uh, once he went into, in first surgery, which again the mother had asked him, it's not necessary. But whatever it be, he something took over him. He went for surgery. In surgery, he went into samadhi because 
you know, he doesn't need. And he entered into that state from where his pulse and heartbeat and breathing stopped. So doctors declared him dead. And he was taken to the fire. So while they were burning the body, suddenly with a violent shock he rushed back. And he realized my body is no more there. So he rushed to the mother. And mother told him, don't worry, there is a deeper wisdom behind it. You stay with me. I'll send you to the new body when it is ready for you. So that new body person is also here in the ashram. Okay, I won't take the name. But this is how the, there is a whole science behind it, which we don't know. So this is one part. Then there is of course Hatha Yoga. Shivinda speaks about Hatha Yoga. And Hatha Yoga is of course the most ancient because for each age there is a yoga. So the earliest stage of mankind when body is what they are fully conscious of. Shabinda says there is never an age of mankind when yoga is not given to man. But as is his evolution, so is the yoga. So Hatha Yoga is to the Rakshasik or Asuric man. Because for him body is the self. They atma both. But yet even through that. So the principle is that all the energy, the divine energy, the divine consciousness is absorbed in the body. Because it's everywhere. So he starts from the body. He starts extracting like you know you squeeze a lemon. But body is not a lemon. It's what is some hard fruit. You have to squeeze it and little by little extract. So hot yogi processes, there are 80 asanas and even more if you take mudras and bandhas and all this. Through these means, the divine energy is released from the physical body and is made available to the system which is normally not available. And along in hot yoga, along with the asana, so these are the asanas which means that the yogin has to learn to be immobile in certain postures. Fixed immobile. Because when he is fixed and immobile, normally what happens when we try to stay fixed and immobile, the pranic currents make us restless. It's difficult to stay in, in a posture for a long time. But here because the yogin stills his body, by literally by the force of will. So these pranic currents, because they cannot, they are unable to do that, more and more energy is released and then to regulate the pranic currents, he does pranayam. So pranayam is invariably part of hatha yoga. Who can't have only hatha yoga and no pranayam. So, and of course that hatha yoga is not what we practice here. Now we practice just some asanas which are good, okay. But this is not hatha yoga. Hatha yogic exercise, I elaborate numerous. I know of at least one hatha yogi in Bangalore who used to practice 8 hours of only Surya Namaskar. Because it's not easy It's all bones and blood In which that divine energy is there And then through pranayam He directs Because energy is being released Now if you don't direct it Through the channels It will devastate the system So that pranic currents Have to be simultaneously Rightly directed So what it does it It opens up all the blocked Subtle nervous currents So nervous system is the Interface between the gross body And the subtle so there is a subtle nervous system which is represented in the physical body through the physical nervous system. And then through this process of directing the prana, so there are five movements of subtle prana. We know only the breathing in and out, but all gross activities have something corresponding in the, um, in the subtle. So if you regulate through the gross slowly, it's like you catch one end. 
you catch one end of the uh, let's say the tiger don't write uh, snake is easier analogy you catch one end of the snake so the entire snake because it's one single piece so it's not that it's only his tail is affected his his hood is affected and affected in strange ways he cannot bite you okay only under expert supervision not even supervision i have seen people you know it's so strange it raises the hood but it cannot bite it's very this looks near impossible because it's not built like that so here by the physical breathing techniques and their regulation the fivefold prana which basically is very simple to understand two upward currents two downward current and one samana which is the balancing current so all this energy which is flowing into it but because the human system is not meant to take in lot of energy only limited current is flowing so it balances it all the five fold normally we have an imbalance either it's top heavy too much current flowing into above and nothing flowing below or it's most of the time 90% or 99% downward current that's why there are people for whom thought is so difficult cannot think cannot spend time in let's say even a philosophical contemplation expressive center all this is almost uh, inactive because the entire is thing is going upon vayu this hudan vayu <laughs> and there is the saman vayu there is the vyan vayu all these different names is moving downward so all the energy is taken from there absorbed and through pranayam it's re-released into the system in a harmonious balanced way this this how the pranayam operates and when the yogin has done all this through years and years of complicated practice probably has to leave the job you can't do real hot yoga without that then he gains certain uh, benefits out of that one immediate benefit is of course health and vigor he can remain young for a long time this is a real remedy for youthfulness why because now the entire balance of physical and the life energy is readjusted calibrated it becomes more harmonious then the blocked nervous system that is opened up uh, i mean subtle nervous system so the currents are flowing far more see through the nervous currents the body cells become active otherwise they die they die either because the nervous currents are not reaching or because of the blood is not reaching so blood is also you know part of that entire nervous energy so it flows smoothly so there is spontaneously a healing capacity healing processes shedding off of the dead things and Uh, again it gives a better glow see it's like because now better blood is flowing the cells are getting rejuvenated so this this was the ancient technique of health and vigor of the body then you develop apart from this certain siddhis as they are called uh, prominent among them are of course four of them are well known lagima garima anima mahima so lagima is the capacity to almost entirely defy the relation between the physical body and the material earth is completely changed so shubhinda had this experience spontaneously so it can be so completely changed that the body can actually rise above the material world and it's so interesting why are we not able to do it science says it's impossible it's not true if the gravity and the physical body the relation changes by some means you can do it after all that's how in moon if you make a jump which normally you would jump 4 feet you will jump 6 times more 
24 feet. Why? It's a question of relation between the physical body and the material body, which normally we attribute to gravity, that mysterious force which nobody seems to understand. Even physicists are struggling. So it changes that relation. And that relation changes. There is a uthapana siddhi. So that's the extreme of this lightness of the body. Anima. Then you have garima. So we have the story of Hanuman. He is actually flying through. This is not a myth. So because in that age it was Hatha Yoga which was very prominent. So we see Ravana having these Siddhis, Bali having these Siddhis. We see Angad, he puts a feet and nobody can remove it because that was the age when the Rakshasa and Asura are very prominent. So this, this was the practice. But of course... This can lead to tremendous egoism as in the case of Vali and Ravana or that energy can be diverted toward divine purposes. Modern yogins know it uh, because now humanity has moved forward but original yogins like Hanuman, they knew that it has to be directed to the service of the divine. So there are these siddhis through which one the body can become light, it can fly in air, it can defy gravity. In Garima, you can bear an entire avalanche without really anything happening to you. So it's just the other side. The body can become so strong. Vajra-like. So that's why we have Vajrang, Bajrangi. So Bajrangi because his body is like Vajra. He has perfected both these siddhis. So we have uh, Laghima, we have Garima, then we have uh, Anima, then Laghima and Mahima. So Mahima is the perfect mastery over not just the physical body but over material nature because that's how the, uh, the consciousness has developed these powers which are asleep, which are woken up. And of course there is Lagima where you can become the whole body, its weight, everything can become so small, limited. We read this in stories of Hanuman. So they are not, uh, they, Hatyogins knew it, Shurabindu in modern times have testified to some of these. Uh, you can even project your body into another place. So all this is possible because it can travel just like the subtle body far into space. And there are so many instances in life of Shurabindu, in the life of Lamas, you read some of them in the life of Paramans Yoganans, his Guru Lahri Mahasaya. So this is about Hatha Yoga. But the problem of Hatha Yoga is that unless we direct these energies towards the divine, it can lead to a lot of self-aggrandizing ego. Because in Hatha Yoga, there is no system of subordinating the ego. So that's what happened to Ravana. That's what happened to uh, Hiranyakashap, some of these. And they did it also to acquire powers. Then comes Raj Yoga. So what is Raj Yoga? Hatha Yoga starts with the physical body. And it's suitable to the Rakshasa and the Asura which identify with the body. Raj Yoga starts with the psychical man. And is suitable to the Daityas and the Devas. Who are more into their emotions and thoughts. So Raj Yoga is suitable for that. So here the Raj Yoga doesn't start with the physical body. In the original Raj Yoga. He started by mastering his mind and its processes. But Patanjali who codified it. He the Ashtang Yoga is, is a Raj Yoga and um, there are three main steps to it. First is purification. Even in Heart Yoga there is purification, but purification is of a different kind. Various proscriptions, prescriptions about eating, food, sleep, all these are regulations. 
not easy at all. So hatha yoga is not just doing some asanas and opening a class. And, you know, hatha yoga, asana is okay. Hatha yoga is different. So Raj Yogi doesn't care about all these asana in elaborate detail. He simply finds a posture which is suitable and in which he can remain immobile for a long time. Spine should be erect in Raj Yoga. <laughs> Whatever fun I mean. <laughs> because it, it, it is a psychophysical process. Hatha Yoga is largely a physical process. This is a psychophysical process. So it starts with, the eight limbs starts with five yamas. Yama means restraint. I will not do this. I will not steal. I will not tell lies. I will not hurt anybody. I will not injure anybody. So yamas. And then there is niyamas. Niyamas is more, I will do these things. So yamas are restraint and niyamas are doing them. So there are five niyamas. But actually there could be many more. The logic is that by yamas we quieten the rajasic vital nature. So we try to quieten the desired self, which is all the time uchlowing and restless and so we try to quieten it. And by niyamas we quieten the sattvic self. So that's how the rajasic and the sattvic self, once they are quietened, then there is asana. The ability to, you have to find a stable ground. So in heart yoga it is only the body. But in Raj Yoga, ultimately the stable ground is the mind which he discovers. But the body should be in a uh, reasonably comfortable posture, but not so comfortable that you sleep off, not so hard that your attention is drawn to the body. That's how the Gita describes. Um, neither too hard, nor too soft, like that. And you should be comfortable. What is known as Sukhasan, it's a, not a very good word, but well, that's how it is, Altipalti as it's called. But the spine should be erect in, in an altipalti posture. Then pranayam. So in Raj Yoga again, the elaborate pranayam of heart yogins is not used. It dispenses with that. What it insists on is Nadi Shuddhi. So Nadi Shuddhi to purify the nervous current. So that we all know, uh, there are two ways of doing it. One is Anulom Vilom, left nostril, right nostril, right nostril, left nostril. The other is left and left and right and right. So, by doing this, basically we are balancing the pranic energies flow in the system. It's a simple process and we can see this very simply. We do an experiment. When you lie down, you'll see that invariably one nose or the other is active. If you turn to left, you turn to right, depending on the nose which is active, the nadi becomes active. So, there are these three nadis. That's what Raj Yoga teaches. The Ganga, the Jamuna, the Saraswati. So, Ganga is the quieter nadi and the yamuna is the more active nadi so even in the physical body you have the parasympathetic and the sympathetic system parasympathetic is calming and sympathetic is what brings action and activity so we have the ganga and the yamuna and then they meet and the middle sushumna which is not visualized in the um, you know material body but is actually in the fluid that flows through the canal. This is very interesting because scientists don't speak about it. But this fluid is very important. So there is a whole fluid which flows through the center of the spinal canal and into the... Uh, okay, I, I am a medical doctor. This is just in case people think what kind of things I am speaking. <laughs> and this fluid flows. So this, this is the Sushumna. Sushumna is not normally active. So Sushumna is the Saraswati. So, next time, if you can't go to Prayag, it's okay. But this Prayag, one must find. 
So when the two, two of them are balanced and then the third becomes active, then one tastes the nectar of immortality. That's why I pray Agmed Dupki Laganese. So they are external beautiful stories through which we have preserved a great secret through these means. So that because millions cannot practice this process. But at least there are people who have preserved the secret. And for those who are yogis, they pick it up. So they, you know, immediately take up and in their practice they incorporate it. So there is the Nadi Shuddhi, then there is the flow of these through the three channels. And then as it enters into the Sushumna, there is the awakening of the Kudalini. Now in Hatha Yoga also there is an awakening but through a different process. You are just extracting energy from there and it becomes so tremendous powerful that it bursts. So in Hatha Yoga you need to channelize it. But in Raj Yoga this is a willed process. So willed process is by the power of will. So next step after Asana and Pranayama is Pratyahar. The first stage is you withdraw from the outside world. Sri Krishna also mentions in the Gita. Nobody can be lipped in the world and realize the divine. That's all. Uh, all life yoga doesn't mean that to start with. So Pratyahar. Like a tortoise withdraws itself into the shell. So it's the capacity to draw from your consciousness involved with things of the outer world. So that's why the mother puts it so beautifully in the very first conversation of 1929. She says, then next is, first is why do you want the yoga for? And then draw your strings of consciousness. Literally it means attachments. And then you withdraw it and then focus it into the heart. So if we can't withdraw, then we can't focus. Of course, by focusing also, eventually we will end up withdrawing. But that's a different kind of, that's the integral yoga. <laughs> but in traditional Raj Yoga, you have to withdraw. That's why Yam, Niyama, Pratyahar. Then after Pratyahar, the next step is Dharana. Now having withdrawn, it needs an object. Normally it is scattered into objects of the world. So this object could be a name, and a form or a mantra. This is Raj Yoga. So we can use a name of the divine or a mantra. There's in typical only tantric kundalini yoga you have very elaborate methods, beej mantras, deities. But in raj yoga also kundalini is awakened without that elaborate process. So one uses the mantra, an image of the divine. Concentration is either in the heart center where the seat of emotions lie, the psychical prana, or in the in the eyebrow center, Brahmadhyaya, or in the Nasikagra, as the Gita recommends. And by concentrating on that, slowly and slowly, the third next step is Dhyan. Now, Dhyan Lagna is what here? Here it means, Dhyan Lagna is that by concentrating upon an idea or an object, the mind starts getting more and more absorbed into it. Uh, in some yogas, it is put in a very nice way. Um, that ras aane lagta hai. Ras itna aane lagta hai ki dusri jeej mein ras aana band ho jata hai. In fact, it can be very uh, annoying, you know, if if you, people discuss, start discussing the usual food and clothes because it, why it becomes annoying? It's difficult for people to understand. Of course, you must conquer. That will come to just in a moment. But what happens? It draws your consciousness outward into a conversation which is so meaningless. A Raj Yogi cannot be engaged with that. If you start drawing, 
then for a raj yogi it become very difficult so what he has to do when he does this his vrittis become quieter and quieter that's what patanjali says yoga chitta vritti nirodha and when they become nirodha then there is sanyama no nigraha no suppression slowly and slowly the chitta vritti is i want to go and watch a movie i want to go and pick up some dresses i want to go and eat in a good joint i want to meet this friend meet that friend hold a long conversation they become quiet and when they become quiet then there is sanyama sanyama means now you relate with these things but in a measure that's what sanyama is you are not abandoning the world but you are relating with it in a certain measure spontaneously how much right measure there is no more this absorption because you have practiced sanyama that we can come only when dhyan when you have started enjoying that on which it is meditating initially it's difficult so there is this purification then there is concentration concentration in two stages one is when the mind inwardly holds an object or an idea and the next step when it is beginning to get absorbed in the idea in that state the consciousness begins to link everything to the divine because otherwise it can't stay it must link everything to the divine otherwise difficult for its own sake taking an activity for egoistic ends is an impossibility and from there the last is samadhi again at the end where it once it has done this it can easily absorb into the highest self and depart from birth and life and death this is the practice of raj yoga and with vrittis there is another practice where there is what is called as a substitution even buddhist disciplines it is used substitutions mean if if i am prone to anger then i must uh, practice peace and forgiveness nowadays you know it all starts it started coming in some way so if i am prone to uh, being vindictive then practice forgiveness if i am prone to lust then practice true love so that lust is replaced by true love if i am prone to uh, all whatever vrittis ahinsa ahinsa uh, that is violent then i must practice inner peace and constant state of inner generosity where you learn to take people as they are learn to forgive them to uh, to be generous so this way slowly in raj yoga you replace the evil vrittis bad vrittis with the good one then good ones into a few better ones then few better ones into a key it could be for example love it could be one key so you have replaced now slowly the bad vrittis with the good the good with the better the better with the one vritti which for you becomes the representative of the divine and then finally arrive at the highest self through that door it could be any door so this raj yoga what is its place in shobindas yoga shobindas said it's not necessary in this yoga you can do it uh, as a stage if somebody is drawn because in shobindas yoga these things are achieved through a different method what is that method here one awakens the kundalini and it goes from center to center now again a purification is not there it will aggrandize the vrittis desires may start rushing into the system uncontrollably even you read pandit gopikrishna book it also written to shurbindo the letter 
He went into depression. He went. That's why many yogis go through these things. Subtly, appetites increased. Why? Because when it touches the lower layers, and then it grows. Emotions can become flood the system, like tremendous waves arising. You don't know how to handle it. Thoughts may burst into many directions. So it's a little dangerous. Shobindo wants us to be safe. So the method here is so it normally goes through the six and the seven centers. The final seventh is the Brahmarandra. It passes, but here the method is the mother. So the mother now what does the mother do? She starts from above downwards, or she can pick up any center which is ready. So she knows this is the center which is ready. She touches that and starts opening it like you know petal by petal. See, so let's say the heart center is open. So there is love, devotion. Okay, fine. Now she starts working on the mind. She's not touching the other centers right now. Very regulated, calibrated process, and step by step, the amount that we can bear. Now, when the mind center opens, she knows the mind is ready to take it or not take it. The heart is ready to take it or not take it. Then even those siddhis which come through Raj Yoga, they all come here also. But she knows how to use them. Prakamya. The, the capacity to make clear clarity in the mind and the clarity which can be automatically transmitted to others. Prakamya, Vyapti, the ability to transmit one's thoughts to others with or without the internet. <laughs> Vashita, to command perfect obedience and control. Ishita, now this Vashita is about human beings. Ishita is about material nature. All these capacities come and, and any of them yogi can bhatko. But when you have surrendered to the mother, it's so beautiful. All of them are constantly put at the service of the Divine Mother. Each of these capacities and powers. So she will open the heart, the head center, the above head, give the experiences, realizations that are necessary, make us conscious in the dream space. There is no fixed way. That's why Shubhinda says through a free and scattered yet purposeful working, in the end, she will build up a tremendous intensity, like a mountain. But initially, it will be like, oh, this is something very nice. Then depending on the sadhak's sincerity, readiness. Then when we are little more grounded in yoga, she says, okay, now I'll touch your lower vital. Okay, ma. And she will touch. Shobindo says that even the most perverted activities are transmuted. He uses this language. Even Raj Yogis know it. Tantrics knew it, but they didn't succeed. Because chances are that one will fall. But she will touch and even that which is perversion, even desires, wishes, all of them are taken up by the Absolute and the Master Magician and changed into the Divine Equivalent. Of course, the distortion and perversions are shed. The desire, not like the restless desire, but it changes its modus operandi, its purpose. It becomes an instrument of the divine. One story which I remember, why? Because it used to it used to shake me every time I read it. Is the story of Pangomani, Parashar, Rishi. I think many of us must have heard. And how Parashar Rishi is going in a boat. He takes a boat to go to the again disclaimer. This applies only and only to Parashar Rishi. 
Okay, and see when he is going. So this girl called Matsya, what was the name anyways? Matsya Kanya or Matsya Gandha. That's right, thank you. So Matsya Gandha, she is daughter of a fisher, fisherman colony. She says, okay, I'll take you. During that sojourn from one bank to another, whatever happens and they physically get involved. Sounds very cheap and low. But in return, Parasha Rishi tells him, See, I, I cannot marry you, but I must tell you that you will give birth to a very unique child. Now, it's not that what degree, it's known that yogis even without the actual physical involvement can grant a progeny. Shivindu speaks about it in, when he speaks about transmutation of the sex center. So, he grants and she says, but who will... Uh, after what you have done, you say, I'll, I'll not marry you. Then what's going to happen to me? She says, don't worry, you will remain forever like a virgin. That's what we see in the story of Kunti also. But here it's not a human being, but the celestial gods. At the same time, you will have such a beautiful fragrance from your body that people, even the great kings will be drawn to you. So that's how she becomes Satyavati. And we know the rest is history that how the great uh, king uh, Shantanu is drawn to her and marries and Bhishma uh, takes the vow why? because her children her children are not very of course uh, good guys so <laughs> good guys in the sense they, they didn't uh, have a good heredity <laughs> so they Vichitraviri and uh, Chitranga then you know eventually they give anyways that's a different part of the story so uh, even those activities, once again, it's a possibility that you see in the epics, which cannot be understood by the unchaste mind. For the unchaste mind, oh, okay, okay. Or in the story of Vishwamitra and a um, damsel from heaven, how did the two meet together? But these are not stories just for the sake of, see, Shobindra is immortalized in his epic Pururabhas. So how does Pururava and Urvashi they come together? She is a heavenly being and heavenly beings can take a material body but for a very short period and then they go back. But here there is a progeny. So much so that at some point Urvashi doesn't want to go back. It's a very interesting story. She is not born through a normal process. She is one of the heavenly damsels. So there were secrets known to ancient yogis in India where they had tried and experimented everything. And uh, But finally, of course, these were all processes which here and there scattered hints you will get. But Shubhinda says that it's possible that even the most, uses the word perverted activities can be, because everything derives, some truth is in the supreme. So it can completely be changed by this process. But as I said, she touches the lower vital, then the subconscious, where the entire cleansing of the muck which is lying there then the very physical the inconscient and the physical so in this yoga we don't need it but it's good to remember so I'll just read that process the mother made it very simple when she was asked about uh, Raj Yoga and Hat Yoga so apart from these there is the Trimark Trimark takes goes one step further so Raj Yoga is the Daitya and the Deva more on the psychical state but Trimark belongs to the Yoga where it starts from the psychological being. Raj Yoga still uses psychophysical processes like Nadi Shuddhi for example, some degree of asana. But Trimarga of the Gita 
starts purely as a psychological being if at all there is a mention of that chapter 9 little bit about concentration it's only as a subordinate process just in the passing shri krishna says people will ask me why didn't you speak about it but it's entirely psychological process and shurbindo's yoga uses the word adhyatma yoga completely you start with that aspiration of the soul so these are the gradations and humanity is now ready for adhyatma yoga and he speaks about this uh, at another point we'll come to that when we touch upon integral self perfection but when mother was asked about she said there are practices which may be uh, which may look yogic in nature but are not yogic there are disciplines and then she uses the example of raj yoga and hatha yoga she says there are disciplines like the hatha yoga and the raj yoga which do not which are not really spiritual so of course she is using the word spiritual from that sense that you know trimarg and beyond it the adhyatma yoga so people were must have been quite shaken this in volume 3 for those who want to refer back type the word raj yoga in volume 3 and you'll see the passage she says but mother it gives some discipline yama niyama all that no she says but a discipline for its own sake is not what we are seeking why because shubhendra knows that none of these things yama niyama can be held securely unless there is a greater consciousness which takes hold of us therefore this yoga starts from where gita ends sarva dharman parityajya mam ekam shannam raja mother i surrender myself to you once she takes up there is a period in which you have surrendered and you are waiting at the gates maybe some people very quickly get up and walk away go somewhere but once she holds the choti <laughs> dangles you then you are done then she will do it but surrender will become the watchword 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 till the end beginning middle and end with aspiration and sincerity as support faith and endurance as things will require all the time because the journey is not going to be just a cake walk when she touches those layers which are initially be very nice she will start opening that center which is most, most ready ah what wonderful experience <laughs> but slowly slowly all the deeper inches but one will one can experience the transformation so amazing vrittis which one thought is impossible they get go away but one has to be sincere and want that they should go away otherwise there is such a resistance not that they cannot be overcome but the resistance will be so great that for one life the divine will say okay okay i'll take it up <laughs> come back it in the body so that's why we have to prepare also at the lower end our bit especially the physical body so this yoga is not hatha yoga plus raj yoga plus trimarg plus something else surrendered to the mother in this yoga it is done in a different way so mother says the discipline is not what we are seeking for its own sake here we start on a different note altogether and here shobindo closes this entire integral self knowledge um yoga of integral knowledge with this passage it's from the last chapter of this particular part which is raj yoga on the whole for an integral yoga the special methods of raj yoga and hatha yoga may be useful at times in certain stages of the progress but are not indispensable it is true that their principal aims must be included in the integrality of the yoga all that they can give us health vigor Uh, you know all the inner states even the capacities powers which become which awaken because power is included in the entire perfection of man 
It's not just Vedanta where you realize the self, but because this is a world transforming yoga, one has to participate in the Leela. So various kinds of powers, including power of expression, power of healing, inspiration, right knowledge, right action, all these different things have to come. So she says, the aims must be included, but they can be brought about by other means. For the methods of the integral yoga must be mainly spiritual and dependence on physical methods or fixed psychic or psychophysical processes on a large scale would be the substitution of a lower for a higher action. How beautiful. The mother's working is a higher, highest action. So if you keep on harping upon this, then you are substituting the lower for the higher. So he says, brought about. Here he is because he is going systematically. He is not revealing what those methods are. But of course we know that <laughs> what those methods are. And he will reveal in the yoga of integral perfection. For the methods of the integral yoga must be mainly spiritual. So that's what is aspiration, rejection, surrender, faith. All these are sincerity. They are spiritual things. You can't see them physically. What do you do? You can't tell people what you do. You will say, Roja Mashram chale jate hain, samadhi pranam karke jate hain. What else you will say? What is going on inside? When Arjav was asked that, what do you people do here? Arjav was of course John Chadwick, the, he was from UK, I think mathematician. And he says, if I tell you, will you understand? He said, no, but try to tell us. He said, we are struggling with our ego, trying to conquer it. <laughs> he said, okay, okay, I don't understand this. What do you do here? Very difficult to explain. Try explaining to anyone. Because it's not even done by us. She is the one who will take us through the journey. Different aspect, different powers, events, circumstances, inner life, its richness, complexity. Picking up of one line, dropping it, picking up another, then fusing them, it's just unimaginable. So he says that these methods are not used because it would mean uh, and dependence on physical methods of fixed psychic or psychophysical processes on a large scale would be the substitution of a lower for a higher action. We shall have occasion to touch upon this question later. When we come to the final principle of synthesis in method to which our examination of the different yoga is intended to lead. Namaste.